Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for That is a that is a curse that God plays out in in, in Joshua. It says, "Look, you get an inheritance, inheritance we're going to throw it, but the lot fell, boom, right there." And so Joshua did not omit the Simeonites from receiving the blessing. He did not cut them out of receiving an inheritance, but it fell for the Simeonites to remember the prophecy that Jacob had pronounced on them, being placed in the center of Judah, which would divide and scatter them. Now, I said last Sunday, when prophecy is spoken, God is going to bring it to pass. And this is something not to be scared of, because a lot of people, they look at the scary prophecies and they freak out. Hey, look at the good ones, too, that if all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, good. You believe that God's going to make it happen. All right. Take comfort in that. God is going to make it happen. And God controls the lot that is thrown. And here it goes. It all goes down for the Simeonites all this time later, all because of what happened a long time ago when they butchered the helpless Shechemites. Now, what we Christians can learn from this even today is that it's okay to be angry with sin. If somebody had violated my sister, I'm sorry, you'd have to hold me down. I get that. And it was wrong for what they did to Dinah. It's okay to be angry at sin, but when that anger is allowed to boil over without restraint, now you're the one in trouble. When the anger gets too far and you you kaboom and you blow up, too big. When something causes you to blow your top and you act on unrestrained wrath, you will end up multiplying pain for yourself and onto others. We've got to get control of our tempers. Us guys, we got to get control of our tempers. Well, I'm Irish, and that's just the way we are. We just blow our top. And that's, I'm enti- it's like you're entitled to it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're accountable to God's word. Well, I'm Italian, where I'm this, where I'm that. I've heard it. Everybody's claiming their heritage. It allows them to be like they are. Well, if you're looking for excuses to be ungodly, that's your problem. I'm giving you reasons to be godly. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings but a wise man holds them back. Hello, social media. Oh, I'm so mad at this. Hey, hush. At least Christians, be quiet. You don't need to do that. You're not convincing anybody. Somebody tearing up this, uh, this uh, politician on social media, they're not going to change my, uh, the way I feel about anything. If <laughs> you, you really think you're changing any minds, you're not. You're just being a powder keg. A fool vents his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You don't need to tell everybody how you feel about everything, especially when you're mad. Well, I've got free speech. Of course you do. Yeah, but the Bible gives you better than free speech. <laughs> it gives you self-control because self-control will promote peace in your life. This popping off everywhere, it doesn't promote peace. 
Anybody with hot tempers, and I've got one, okay? I have one. I have a bad hot temper, but I also have self-control, and that's a war that goes on. And usually self-control wins. Sometimes the hot temper does. You know, that's my fault. Um, get control of these tempers like, like the Simeonites. They couldn't keep control of their temper. They had the right to be mad, but they didn't maintain control of their composure. And now look what's happened to the whole tribe of Simeon. They're in trouble now. They're going to be scattered in divides. Something, something bad happened to the Simeonites, yes. But when they slaughtered a repentant and helpless people who wanted to make reconciliation and wanted to make peace, now whose problem is it? Now it's the Simeonites' problem. Now they're the ones in trouble. And because of this, irreparable consequences are now following the Simeonites all through the centuries into their inheritance, which they are soon going to lose. You know, I always tell people, You've, you can choose the sin you want to commit, but you never get to choose the consequences that come with it. That's the hard part. You never get to choose those consequences. They come up on their own. So we should always keep a cool head. Yes, sin can make you angry with righteous anger. There is such thing as righteous anger. That's biblical. But be careful to distinguish the sin from the sinner. Be careful to distinguish the sin from the sinner. I know people who are willful sinners, and they're just going nuts. And it, it, it burns me up, but I'm not going to let it get to the point where I hate them, because when I sit in front of them, I still have to remember that Jesus died for them as much as he died for me. And I have to tell them the gospel, even though what they're doing just burns me up. I still got to be loving, too. Because we, we've got a problem in culture today. We get so upset. We get so mad at people for what they're doing that we forget to love them. What if God forgot to love me? I'd be in trouble, guys. We've got to remember this, the spouting off thing. Now, there's another lesson that we can get out of this story from Jacob's statement in his prophecy when he says this, let me not enter their council and let me not join in their assembly. Basically, do not take advice from powder kegs. People that explode all the time, don't listen to them. Don't let them guide you. Don't let them tell you what you ought to do. They can't keep it together themselves. He, Jacob is like, because of what you guys did, I'm not entering your council. And I'm not going to be in your assembly. You can't keep it together. And so what I'm building us up to is that angry people destroy people. You ever heard the term, Dove always says this, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> hurt people, hurt people. That's what they do. That's all they know. Angry people are unstable, and they do not exhibit self-control. Why is self-control so important? Why am I building up to this self-control issue? Because it's proof that you have the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. <laughs> Self-control, fruit of the Spirit. You pop off and blow up all the time. Are you showing people that you have the Holy Spirit? You're showing them probably maybe that you don't. We've got to get control of this, guys. Bad company corrupts good character. This is biblical. And hot-tempered, hot-headed people should be avoided. Just dodge them, guys. Well, I got to work with them. Well, there's a way to dodge them in the sense, even if you got to work with them. Show them your composure. Actually, when they blow up on you, just be calm. Don't ball up your fists and get ready to fight and go into defense mode. Show them Christ. Show them the fruit of the Spirit. 
I think that uh, the Simeonites would have done good to act like this themselves. Simeon and Levi, they were often mentioned together in the Bible as pairs. Simeon and Levi, Simeon and Levi. We saw Jacob do it. He said Simeon and Levi. It's, it's kind of like there were these two siblings that provoked each other into fights all the time. Like any of you with kids and you got two kids, they just fight, 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 fight all the time. What do you do? You got to separate them. It's like, oh, those two, those two. It's kind of like, yeah, Simeon and Levi. Yeah, Simeon and Levi. They, they, they provoked each other. And one would want to do something. Oh, yeah, let's go. And they, weren't, they didn't match well. They're troublemakers in that sense. And so this was kind of the relationship with Simeon and Levi. And we see the consequences being lived out here in Joshua 19. Simeon is going to lose its identity as a tribe, being divided, scattered in Israel. And later on, many of the Simeonites would migrate north. They were going to come north out of the land, out of their inheritance area, not out of the land, but out of their inheritance, into Ephraim and Manasseh. And here's scriptural proof that Jacob's prophecy came to pass that they were going to be divided and scattered out. Here's some proof. Second Chronicles 15.9 says, Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. See that? For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Also, Second Chronicles 34 and 6. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon. They're Simeon again with the guys north. Ephraim and, uh, and, and Manasseh were just north. You can see that Simeon had left. They left. They're up with these guys now. And they're now being mentioned with Manasseh and, and Ephraim. Uh, and so they did the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon as far as Naphtali and all around. We can see how important it is for us to be strong in our self-control. Because now we were looking in Second Chronicles. Now they're divided. Now they're scattered out. They're with other tribes now. They're not in their own little place. Self-control is of the Holy Spirit. God, the Lord, helps give you the self-control peace that we need to have. And the world is teaching us and our kids. Parents, when you let your kids watch these shows on TV and it's full of people just knee-jerk reacting to everything, especially these reality shows, hey, that's not godly. It's not godly. They're demonstrating a lack of self-control. So it's teaching our society how to behave sinful. And those of us who believe and trust in God should never react the way Simeon and Levi did. I know there's another way they could have handled the situation around Dinah that could have come around well. Now, Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Soberly. We should live soberly. You know, grace doesn't just give you salvation. It teaches you to say no to things that aren't godly. It teaches you to say no. Oh, I got a choice. I can do this. Right? The grace says no. I'm sealing you. I'm holding you for salvation. Say no to that. That's something that grace does, and you should live soberly. Grace does that to you. It will teach you to live soberly. Now, when you feel the need to explode, no matter how justified you think you are, and they were justified for getting upset over what happened to Dinah. They were. I agree with that. But no matter how justified you get, grace teaches you to deny ungodliness. They shouldn't have gone in there and killed all those guys that were trying to make peace with them. Grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. And we went over this the other day, uh, last night, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
for they shall be called sons of God. The Shechemites were trying to act as peacemakers. They said, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. They were trying to be peacemakers. It was the godly thing to do. But remember what happened to the Simeonites. They were not acting as peacemakers, and now they're paying for it out of their inheritance. So we can learn to maintain godly composure in the face of friction. Don't let it bring out the worst in you. If you have to, get away. And I tell people that, I've told people that before. When I'm about to pop and I know it, I'm going to leave. Let me leave. Leave me alone. Let me decompress for a minute, and then I'll come back and I'll get control of myself. And you can do that too. Guys, we need to learn how to do that. We need to learn how to pace ourselves. You feel yourself getting ready to pop. (sighs) Take a deep breath. Go get a drink of water. Go chill out for a minute. Don't just stand there and blow up. Remember what happened to the Simeonites. Don't hold a grudge against people that behave sinfully because Jesus died for those people as much as he did for you. And much of how people that are lost are going to learn about grace is they're going to learn it by watching you, how you conduct yourself, how you behave. If you're popping off, getting upset and mad and reacting to people, just, you know, they're not going to see Jesus. But if they see you maintain a composure and maintain self-control that grace gives you, they're going to start seeing Jesus. And they're going to think, why in the world do you not get upset? And finally, some guys were like, Ray, how come you never react? We always try to get a rise out of you and you never do it. I said, because I'm saved and I have grace, self-control. And they're like, what do you mean by that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) So now I got them for the gospel. Simeon did wrong. And look at what happens to their tribe. Joshua 19 and 10, the land of Zebulun. The third lot came out for the children of Zebulun, according to their families, and the border of their inheritance was as far as Sarid, I think, or Sarid. Their border went toward the west to Merilah, went to Dabasheth, and extended along the brook that is east of Jognim. Then, I hope I said that right, guys. Then from Sarid, it went eastward toward the sunrise along the border of Kisloth-Tabor and went out towards Debereth, bypassing Japhia. And from there it passed along the east of Gath-Hefer toward Eth-Kazin and extended to Ramon, which borders on Nia. Then the border went around it on the north side of Hanathon, and it ended in the valley of Jephthah-El. If Hebrew people listen to me preach, they're probably laughing at me, okay? Y'all go ahead and laugh. I'm Texan. <laughs> Verse 15 included were Kedath, Nahalal, Shimron, Edala, and Bethlehem. Hey, I can say Bethlehem. Twelve cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the children of Zebulun, according to their families, these cities with their villages. Okay, so the third lot was cast. And when a lot is thrown, it looks like just chance to us. But scripture says that God determines the outcome of the, of the lot. God has control over what seems random to us. I, I firmly believe that because scripture backs it up. And so once again, God fulfills prophecy for Zebulun. God's going to fill prophecy for Zebulun by controlling the cast of the lot to end up placing Zebulun's area near the water. Uh, Genesis 49 and 13, I found it. It says, Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Show the next picture, Zebulun. Uh, This is the banner for the tribe of Zebulun. See how you got boats in it? They were mariners. They were by the sea. I mean, come on. You're going to have boats in your flag. (laughs) That's something got to do with water. So 
They dwell by the sea, and it was depicted in their flags, right? Deuteronomy 33 and 18 says, And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, and you're going out, and Issachar and your tents. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hidden in the sand. That's a sea people. They're close to the water, and they're going to use it. They're going to partake of the sea. There's going to be a lot of fishermen involved. You've got some commerce. You've got some shipping. I see a much different picture going on for Zebulun than what I saw going on for Simeon. Do you see this? I see blessing, and I also saw curse with two different tribes. We've got two different things going on with these two tribes here. Matthew 4 and 12, talking about Zebulun being close to the water. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. So, let's show the next map that uh, we got right there, uh, I think. As you can see here, I hope you can see, there's a river flowing from the Mediterranean, and it aligns with what Joshua 19.11 says. It says, their border went toward the west and extended along the brook that is east of Jachneem. And uh, if you can't see it, maybe I can help you. Where are we at? Here's Zebulun. You'll see this right here. There's, uh, this is modern-day Haifa right here where this point sticks out, and you've got a little river that goes right along there. Now, there is a lot of argument on the size of Zebulun that it shows it to be small and that it doesn't seem to go all the way to Galilee. I'm, I'm not focused on that exactly. They were near the sea, and if you actually look at the map, they're right in the middle between the Med and the Galilee. They can do like a half-a-day journey. They can be at the Galilee or the Med, either one they want. They're, and they've got, they got a river going right there. For this to make sense to me, they're right in the middle, and that's great, but for this to make sense to me, because they had boats on their flags, I'm like, okay, but how do you, how do you get the boating? It had to be a river, and i got to find it. So I'm trying to look at that map. I only saw so much. There has to be a waterway. That's what the Bible pushed me into. It's like, where's the waterway for the Zebulonites to partake of the abundance like the prophecy says? Uh, show me that picture of Jokneem. I think right there. See that? There's a river. As you can see, there's a river flowing in from the Med, and it aligns with what Joshua 19.11 says. It says, their border went toward the east and extended along the brook that is east of Joknaim. There it is, right there. Hey, they can get boats there. Now I wanted to see a picture. What does this river look like? Uh, show me the next picture. This is the Kishon River, which is that brook. You can get boats through that, guys, okay? <laughs> they, there's their waterway. I'm like, yes, there's their waterway. It aligns with Scripture. And so I studied the Bible. I had new questions to ask, and I dug deeper, and I found this river that aligns with Scripture because I had to find it. And this is the way the Bible ought to do with you. It ought to push you to dig more and find more. Well, that don't make sense. They're stuck in the middle. How did they get boats out? Well, there must be a river. Look for it. (laughs) Let the Bible draw you in like this and, and, and dig hard. The Bible should grab a hold of you and push you to discover more and more and dig deep. It's just plain fun. We're almost done. Map two again. Joshua 19, the list of border cities do not mention Sidon because it's way up north of uh, Zebulun. Uh, but the prophecy in Genesis 49, 13 says, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Look how far Sidon is up there. Do y'all see it? Way up there at the top. Now look, see where Zebulun's at? The border shall adjoin Sidon. Well, how do I make sense of that? 
This could mean that Zebulun's physical territory did not reach Sidon, but because the Zebulunites partook of the abundance of the sea, they had successful trade and shipping that reached as far as Sidon. They get out to the sea, they can route stuff all the way up there to Sidon. And look at all the territory they covered. Their influence was as far as Sidon. And so that's why you can say it, it adjoined Sidon. Their actual territory was not up to Sidon, but their trade influence area was. So what we've now seen in Joshua 19 are two very different tribes with two different outcomes. The Simeonites were a weak tribe that were under curse to be divided and scattered. But the Zebulonites were a very blessed and influential tribe, and they partook of the sea in great abundance. What does this mean for me? It makes you ask, how do I want my status to be with the Lord? How do I want my name to look unto the Lord? Do I want my name to be recognized by God as cursed or as blessed? Do I want to have abundance and do great things of influence around me? Or do I want to dissolve and scatter out and to just fall off into the culture? Do you want your name to be cursed by God or blessed? Do you want to be placed in a position where you can thrive and be prosperous? Or do you want to be put into a position where you will be scattered? Do you know what determines that? It determines your obedience and your faithfulness to the Lord. That's what determines that. So let's pray. And, uh, you know, you saw what happened between these two different tribes based on how they conducted themselves. And we're going to pray on that because you're going to be one of these two tribes. God's going to put you in a place where you're going to dissolve out and that's it. (laughs) Or he's going to put you in a place where you're going to prosper and you're going to have great influence and you could use that for the kingdom. Father, I thank you for today's message, Lord God. Lord, we want to be prosperous. We want to partake of great abundance and great blessing. Father God, forgive us for reacting, not in self-control. Forgive us for reacting according to our sin nature when we should be acting according to the grace that you've given us. Father, when people do things to provoke us, when people do things that make us mad, and we're justified in that mad anger, Lord, even in that heated moment, teach us to maintain our composure, to maintain self-control and grace that you've given us. Lord God, let us not overreact. We can be angry when things call for it, but let it be a righteous, controlled anger, not a boiling over. So Lord God, I ask you, as the world is teaching us how to pop off and vent ourselves all over the place, the wise man holds it back. We keep it, and we process it, and we run it through our grace filter, and then we decide how to react. Lord God, I want to be seen as prosperous. I want to be seen by you as blessed. I don't want to be condemned. I don't want to be under curse. Lord, there's people that are looking for abundance, that are out there in the world, and they can't find it because they're acting wrongly. They're acting like the Simeonites did. Teach us, Lord God, to act like the Zebulonites, that we can have abundance. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace. Teach us how to act according to your grace and to be your people, representative of your people. Lord, I need a lot of work in that area. A lot of things out there trying to push my buttons. But Lord Jesus, you know how to push all of me. Push me, Lord, to serve you your way. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.